Welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with trendsetters who are leading innovation in public safety and expert advice on growing your own post-law enforcement business. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Welcome to the show today. I have Tom Wheelhouse on with me today. Tom is kind of like my my UK doppelganger, if you will, um, <laughs> bearded and all. Um, he is a former UK police officer and in his post-law enforcement career as the founder of Mightify, has dedicated his time to helping law enforcement officers transition out of their law enforcement career and either into other careers or into entrepreneurship. And so obviously we're, we're very similarly aligned in our, our goals and, and what we're trying to accomplish. And so it's, it's excellent. It's quite an honor to have you on the show, Tom. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. My pleasure. And just to confirm for those listening, you don't have to grow a beard when you leave the, the police. I know we both have, but it's not, it's not compulsory. I, I disagree. I think you do. I think you do have to. <laughs> Just because, you know, all those years of pent up non-bearded time, you know, you have to you have to catch up for lost time. <laughs> yeah, maybe make a stand about it. Say no to shaving. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I, I want you to tell us a little bit about Mitify and how you came to form Mitify, how that became an idea and what you're doing with Mitify right now. Yeah, no problem. I think it's it's one of those things that makes a lot more sense looking back now than it ever did proactively at the time. Like you said, I was a police officer in, in London and I, I loved it until the day I didn't anymore. And then I kind of was faced with a bit of a, a choice of what to do. Um, and I made the choice to leave, but I didn't really know what else I was going to do. There was no exit slope at all it was just a, a precipice to jump off the end of and um, so I had to work it all out myself when I did leave uh, I found my way into the, the private sector I worked for a big tech company um, and I loved it I did some business development some account management and it was great but what I started to find was all the people who'd said to me in policing oh you can't just leave people don't just leave the grass isn't greener what about the pension all those kind of cliches they started to become all the people who were calling me and saying, oh, so you can leave and it can work. Have you got any jobs going? And, and, and that kind of sparked something in me alongside the fact that I had found just through trial and error, really, that working in a big corporate wasn't really for me because I'm not kind of money driven first and foremost. I wanted to help people and I probably hadn't ever admitted that to myself when I was in the police, as, as weird as that sounds. So um, I decided that the people I would help would be me a couple of years before that, the people who were in the police, you know, really good people, really skilled. They didn't really know where the best outlet for their skills and their drive was. So I decided that would be my, my outlet. And that's what Mightify was, just to look at those people as a whole in a way that wasn't being done and say, right, what do you need to thrive? Whether that's your career, whether that's your health, whether it's your sort of personal development, What's kind of holding you back? What can we bring you that will actually let you kind of unleash your your power on the world? And I think there's across the world just this huge untapped talent pool there in 
in all services, you know, in whether it's military, policing, emergency services, paramedics, firefighters, who do incredible things but are too modest to ever tell anyone to end up talking themselves out of brilliant opportunities. So that's the kind of the the problem we're trying to solve or the power we're trying to unlock really piece by piece. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me just how many similarities there really are between US law enforcement and UK law enforcement and as far as the mindset that's kind of baked in, right? And so what that tells me is that this mindset must transcend not just the US and the UK, but I mean it's got to be it's got to be similar across the board around the world in in other countries that that have modern police forces like Canada and and Australia and uh you know Italy and France, right? In fact, you know, there's another guy that I've talked to recently that is doing trying trying to accomplish the same thing you and I are doing in France. And so it's re- it's really interesting to me. And I don't understand why there's this mindset in law enforcement that this is the only thing that we can do. And once you're once you're in law enforcement, you're just kind of stuck there. And and you mentioned that that mindset, that that frame of thought about you know, well, there's the pension, right? And you've got to stick around for the pension. I can't tell you the number of guys that I talk to that will tell me, well, I've just, you know, I've got five more years to go, you know, but they're miserable. They're miserable. And, and, and they're talking about how, how much they hate the job, how much they hate getting up to go to work every day, but they're just sticking it out to get their last five years. And, you know, I think I think the circumstances are different for each person. But what I want people to realize is that you you don't need to box yourself into that, right? There, there might be an opportunity that is actually better for you than sticking it out that last five years, right? The last three years that I've been in business, since I left my law enforcement career, started my own business, I make far more now than what I could have in my law enforcement career. And I've had far greater impact on my retirement than what I would have if I had stayed in law enforcement. And so for me, it was a better investment to leave and and start my own business. And I think that that reality can be the same reality for others that are out there. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I, I like the fact that you use the word investment to talk about it. Because I think people get so boxed into that idea, like you said, of, right, well, if I, stay, if I stick it out for another 10, 15, 20 years... I'll, I, I get I get given this golden opportunity to put in the UK at the moment fourteen percent of my monthly or my annual earnings into a pension that will give me X in may or may not give me X when I'm fifty five. Okay, great. What if you invested your sixty hours a week, your drive, your skill set, and all the rest of it in the next twenty years of doing something else? Actually, the return on investment could be much much larger. And I think the other thing that um, has come up for us a lot here is that the, the cat's out of the bag a little bit on this idea of job security. And I think people in, as you mentioned, would always used to have said, yeah, but the police is kind of a job for life. And I, you've, you've probably been told this being a, a business owner. Yeah, but, you know, secure, isn't it, being a police officer? Well, is it? Because you and I don't have to go and tell anyone if we get a speeding ticket. We don't have to get permission to, you know, start a business. We don't have to get permission to have Christmas Day off or anything like that. And actually, you know, God forbid we were in a bar fight and we punched someone or something justifiably, we wouldn't lose our career and livelihood over that. But mm-hmm. actually, you know, as a police officer, for a lot of good reasons, you sign up to a different set of standards. 
And actually, that job security isn't quite as as cut and dry as as people think. So yeah, you know, right. you and I both know it's been a tough tough eighteen months for anyone entrepreneurial, small business owner. Of course, it has. But actually, now we have the total freedom to kind of bounce back from that. Whereas people in policing have spent the last eighteen months in a pandemic, giving more and more than ever. And are they going to get anything extra to show for that? Not really. It's just you know, thanks very much. But as you were. So you're absolutely right. And I think also it's just been the barriers to entry for doing your own thing, whatever that is, have never been lower. So actually, you don't necessarily now have to go and spend four years doing a a conversion degree to get into a new field because the world understands that people change careers. Or, you know, if you want to start a a podcast or a a dropshipping business or uh, any number of things, actually, you don't need that much as a kind of initial capital to do it. Not saying it's easy, you know, I'm not saying that at all, but no. I think, you know, that, those days of, oh, actually, I want to change careers. It's going to take me 10 years to retrain and start over. It's just not true. And I think a lot of people talk themselves out of leaving the police because they feel that if they do, they'd have to start day one, square one at the bottom of another industry. And that's just not the case anymore. And it, it really shouldn't be. Um, so I think you're right that lots of those things that maybe a generation ago were true aren't anymore and the 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 fence around policing for people's careers is actually mostly kind of an imagined one rather than a the real one that some people think it is yeah i you know i feel like quite honestly our our law enforcement agencies like from an administrative standpoint they really don't do enough to set us up for different opportunities right so to to help like the military helps military veterans transition out of the military, but we don't do that in law enforcement. And and when you look at it in that way, it's almost kind of looking at it like an abusive relationship, right? It's almost like, it's almost like this. I've got to keep this stuff. Like, this is the only thing you can do. You won't make it anywhere else. You're not good enough to do anything else. So you may as well just stick it out. Right. And it, it, it almost feels like that abusive relationship. How do you think we start to create a paradigm shift in that to get law enforcement agencies to recognize that personally, I believe it's actually a, a, a good thing. It's, it's a, it's a, a positive thing for law enforcement agencies to help cops transition, right? Because if they're not happy, if, if people are miserable coming to work every day, then you're, they're not giving you their best effort. Those are the ones that are going to end up with internal affairs investigations. They're going to make poor decisions and, and so it's really in a law enforcement agency's best interest to give its officers a healthy option to transition out. Would you agree with that? 100%. You're absolutely right. And it's, it's a really interesting tightrope act that I find myself walking um, every day at the moment because five years ago when I started doing this, I'd go to police departments and police chiefs and, I, and I'd say that kind of exactly what you just said and they'd say they'd look at me with suspicion and they'd say all you're going to do is encourage all our best people to leave and go and get better paid jobs elsewhere and I'd say well no I'm not but at the same time that's happening you can't pretend that's not happening whether it's me who hires them or mm-hmm. you know coaches them or not they get that's going to happen so actually in the meantime what are you going to do to make your police force your agency a good place to work first and foremost because that's part of the deal and um, then secondly if people are going to leave 
what are you going to do to help them do so in a way that means they might want to come back in three, five, ten years' time with a whole new skill set, a whole new set of perspectives? Because what happens at the moment is people leave, and do they ever come back? Not in not in the UK. They leave. They go. And they, you know, they they see this other world. Then sure as eggs is eggs, they get on the phone to all their previous colleagues on their old unit and tell them all how great it is to have evenings and weekends off and be treated like an adult. So, you know, the, the word gets out and it's a, it's a negative spiral for, for policing. Whereas actually, if there was a bit of a mindset shift and a paradigm shift, as you said, and the military is the same here, where we invested in those people and said, look, thank, thanks for your service. And actually, we're not just going to say that. We are actually going to tangibly thank you for that service by giving you some kind of structured program which is what you know I, I wrote myself because I was so fed up of it not existing in this country, and um, and those people then might say, do you know what the you know the police in London or Birmingham or Manchester gave me ten years of brilliant experiences, skills I'd never have got anywhere else. I want to go and now do something different because my family life says so, or because I've just reached the kind of natural point where I'm ready for a new challenge. But do you know what? In ten years' time, maybe I'll come back a better leader, a better cop all round. And I would be now, you know, having had six, seven years now of being an entrepreneur, working in a big business, finding out all kinds of other things. If I went back now, I would be, you know, not a totally different person at all, but I'd probably be twice the police officer I was when I left. But I'm not, realistically, I'm not going to go back, however much I've considered it for altruistic reasons and because I still care about it, because there's no mechanism for me to go back easily for a start. And also there's no mechanism to recognize the things that I've learned since. And I speak to people all the time who, you know, and they're all found in your programs as well, I'm sure, who, who've gone on to do really cool things outside of policing, who actually still care and still believe in the job. But actually, yeah. where's, the, where's the mechanism to, to bring them back? So the real, the real vision is to have that cycle where it's, I think it's vulnerability in leadership in policing to say some of our really good people might leave. But actually, do you know what? If we treat them well enough, maybe they'll come back and help us out even more in the future. Because the more we do this kind of, like you said, put a big fence up and go, right, you signed up for it. You can't leave. No one else will want you. Everyone loses out of that. Not just the police officers, but the, you know, the, the force as an employer, the community they're working with. And like you say, why would you want unhappy um, disengaged staff because that's when bad things happen for the for the community and for the officers themselves and for their families. So yeah, this kind of protectionist build a big fence and tell everyone they can't leave and they're useless. I mean, those days were over a hundred years ago, hopefully, but they're certainly over now. And and people are seeing through it, especially now that the word's out as well, or you know, the conversation is open around mental health and trauma and well-being and the actually the impact of what being a police officer does to you and your family so there's yeah. also an argument just like in the military about rotating people in and out because otherwise when do you ever decompress when do you ever get a chance to um be in a kind of a less hostile environment so you're absolutely right and i think it just takes that vision at the right levels to be vulnerable and open to that um and not to just say well you know Basically, you signed up for it tough. And if you want to leave early, that's your problem. Because that's just, yeah, that's medieval, really, as kind of organizational culture goes, I think. Well, I think there's, I mean, at least here in the US right now, there, there is certainly a, 
a sense of desperation, I think, on behalf of law enforcement agencies because it is so hard to recruit right now. I mean, it has been since, you know, I'd say about 2007, 2008. 2008 um, is really when it started to become exceedingly difficult to recruit here in the U.S. And so there, there becomes that desperation to, to keep what you have because you can't, you can't lose anymore. Right. But it really is like, like the overbearing, overprotective boyfriend that won't let his girlfriend go hang out with her friends because he's afraid that she's going to meet some other guy at the bar. Right. Like (laughs) that's, that's the best analogy that I can come up with. But I think I think it is so important from a mental health and well-being standpoint, you know, and uh, like like you mentioned, you know, I think it's um, it's important to preserve that opportunity to to let people make that decision for themselves. Right. And and to give them the guidance that they need in order to determine, is this actually w- where I'm supposed to be? Is this the best fit? So like in, in the LEO to CEO community, recently we did a workshop called Hero on a Mission. and in that workshop, what we actually did was we sat down and we had everybody write their obituary, which I know sounds really weird. Okay. But everybody, everybody wrote their obituary. Like this is how I want my obituary to be read at my funeral. And and so what that helped people unpack was how do I want to be remembered? What do I want people to say about me when I'm no longer here? What is the memory that I'm leaving behind? Right. And, and by doing that, then we take, we take that. And what we learned to do was reverse engineer our life so that we could accomplish that. So that we could be remembered in that way. And I think what happened in that workshop was people went, Oh, maybe I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now because this isn't giving me the ability to accomplish that. And, and I think, you know, if more law enforcement agencies would, would allow that sort of shift, you know, allow that opportunity for people to come to that determination on their own. I think that'd be a powerful thing. I, I agree. There's, there's powerful stuff. And I think also um, one of the things I've got a bit of a, a bee in my bonnet about is the sort of annual appraisal, um, you know, the performance development review, whatever you want to call it, that never actually asks people questions about themselves. And it's all about, you know, uh, are you interested in promotion? Tick box, yes or no. Um, and, and I know, you know it's supposed to be changing, but um, it never actually says to people, right? Where do you want to go? What What are you really? What's really you as a person? Tell me about yourself. We, you know, we run when we run our sort of resettlement programs for people who are leaving um, policing or ambulance services or fire and rescue, and and I sit down with somebody who's got 20, 25 years service, and I say, right, tell me about yourself. I guarantee you, first up, they'll say, right, well, I'm a sergeant with 20 years service and I'm on this tactical unit. And I say, well, sorry, but you haven't told me anything about yourself yet. You know, what what makes you happy? What makes you unhappy? When do you feel like you're kind of thriving and in the zone? And they say, oh, well, no one's ever really asked me that in all the years I've been in the police. Well, maybe we should be start to think about those kind of things as well. And like you say, actually, you know, show people where they fit and where they don't. Um, because also then you get people who uh, will leave because they don't get promoted because their agency or department has a certain idea of what a leader is and they don't fit it. And then they go, they go to a different organization and become, you know, wildly successful because that organization recognized that 
leadership isn't just, you know, command and control shouting. Um, maybe empathy is a leadership skill as well, as one right. example. So, you know, um, I think I think you're absolutely right that if we sat down with people throughout their careers and actually said regularly, it's just the same concept as, as um, physical uh, MOTs, you know, physical checks of your car. You need to keep your car roadworthy. You have to show some evidence every year that it's still roadworthy, you know, that it, everything works properly and that it's fit for purpose. Actually, where's the sort of annual or six-monthly or three-monthly check that that officer goes through that says, other than, okay, they reclassify their shooting or their technical skills, but actually, where's the check that says to them, are you actually happy still? Is the role you were in a year ago still the right role for you? And with, you know, the recruitment issue you mentioned there, there's an issue coming up here now that um, obviously very different uh, culturally around firearms, but carrying a firearm is basically a voluntary additional skill in the UK and fewer people want to do it because it doesn't really come with benefits that match the potential cost. So now we have to start, now police forces are starting to try and retrofit, oh, why doesn't anyone want to carry a firearm anymore? When it's the, it's the wrong question because the question was five years ago to say, to say to those people who were potentially the firearms officers, where do you want to go? How can we help you get there? How can we develop you? Um, so now it's just you know exactly the wrong way around, like you say. And and I think that recruitment issue is starting to bite here. Um, but for a long time, the answer you would have got or the answer I did get from senior people was, well, if people are still queuing up to join, so it can't be that bad, can it? Which is you know <laughs> either totally ignorant or you know just completely ridiculous. But when you start to get the problem that the US has got and some other countries where actually the the recruitment office is empty too, then then you're in real trouble because that takes generations to to fix. That's just not a question of some posters and some you know nice new benefits. That takes generations, and I think it all comes back to people. It all comes back to attracting the right kind of people and empowering them to actually be themselves and giving them the conditions to thrive in, but trusting that that might mean they thrive to a, a degree where someone else wants them to. And that's where your analogy about the kind of toxic relationship is absolutely spot on, unfortunately. Yeah. So what what do you think are the single greatest challenges right now that are facing cops that are considering leaving law enforcement and what sort of advice do you have for anybody that is kind of feeling stuck in in that decision i think if i had a a pound or or a dollar i don't know which one's worth more anymore um if i, had a, <laughs> I don't either if I, it's probably about the same now but <laughs> if, if i had a pound let's say for um for every for every time someone had used the word institutionalized with me and one of our clients then i think that that would be you know, a, a lucrative business in itself. So it's people who've been in one environment that, that tells them how to dress, how to act, how to speak, how to behave, um, how to interact with others and, what and you know, scrutinizes their movements. And they've been in that environment for 20 years, let's say. And it's like being in a, in a vice or in a mold. And they start to lose sight of, of who they really are. And I think then you add on top of that that it's a culture where people don't go around saying, who are you really to each other and having those kind of deep conversations because you just crack on and get on with the job. And it becomes very, very difficult then when you start to think about moving on and you start to look at job adverts on LinkedIn or Indeed or wherever 
and you see all this kind of corporate language and people just talk themselves out of applying full stop because they'll just say, I can't do that. Even if, you know, if, if you and I put on a, an event and we brought in 300 police officers, if, if something happened in the street outside, all 300 of those people would run out without a second thought and deal with it, put themselves yeah. in harm's way and deal with it. If we said to those 300 people, right, we haven't prepared you for this, but we're now going to ask you to talk about yourself for a minute on stage. They'd probably all run away, you know, run away from that terrified and not, not be able to do it. Whereas, you know, if we went to Google or Microsoft or somewhere and said, right, everyone's got to do a one minute presentation about themselves. Most people would probably just shrug and say, okay, what do you want to know? And, and, and be able to do that. So I think it's the, it's the first, it's firstly the challenge is to understand yourself in a way that's not dependent on your work identity. So it's to separate who you are from what you do. And then it's to be able to confidently sell that in a way that doesn't feel kind of arrogant or inauthentic. And that, and that's the challenge. So my advice would be obviously, you know, to, to, to come on one of our programs, but, um, our, my advice would be to actually sit down with, you know, people close to you and people who really know you well and do a bit of self reflection, but also ask those people. What would you really say about me? And actually, you know, what you mentioned about writing your own eulogy or your own obituary, actually, what would other people say about you when you're not in the room? And that's kind of, you know, day one of marketing and branding, isn't it? You know, your brand is what people say when you're not in the room. So mm -hmm. actually, what do people say about you? And and would you be comfortable saying that to somebody else? Because that's all job interviews are really and pitching for business, you know. Um, and it's hard. You know, people cringe at that in policing because it's hard and it feels immodest and, and arrogant but it's not to stand up and say look here's what i'm really good at and here's why you should be interested in that is yeah. a key key life skill and i think you you can't ever do enough work on that so you know that would be my my top tip really for anyone who's feeling that stuck because you and i know that there's endless options for anyone with a policing background you know the rest people in people in other professions don't all have two heads and phds from harvard they're just people like you and who probably haven't done half the things you've done. So, you know, you can go out there and uh, beat them to jobs or, you know, business opportunities. But you have to, you know, you have to ask for the business. You have to be in the game to win it. Yeah, I've, I've uh, many times have said that, you know, I, I believe that there is no other career out there like law enforcement that requires such a broad skill set of of its officers, right? Like uh, cops are, are required to do and know so many things in order to be well-rounded and, and effective on the job. And so I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for just how that translates into so many other different things, whether that's in the private sector or in entrepreneurship, we, we just don't give ourselves enough credit. We kind of box ourselves in and say, well, you know, uh, how do I translate four years of hunting fugitives to uh, something in the private sector or to running my own business. And truthfully, there, there are direct correlations. It just takes, takes the time to sit down and have a mindset shift to be able to unpack that a little bit further. And we actually talked about that just a few episodes back in episode 45 with Amanda Lewis, where we talked about how to translate your law enforcement experience into entrepreneurial and, and private sector experience. And so I think that that really is an important mindset shift to, uh, to, to accomplish and, and be able to 
give yourself the credit that you deserve in understanding that you can apply those skill sets in, in many different areas. Absolutely. And one of the challenges I often set people we work with is I say, right, think about one shift that was particularly challenging or where you really achieved something or even one operation or one, one incident. And I challenge you now to, you know, recount that without using the words police, suspect, arrest, you know, or any of those words and try and explain it to someone a bit like in, um, in the office, you know, when he says, explain that to me like I'm five. You know, explain explain what you did today to to your five year old niece or nephew, in terms they understand, and you'll see that actually, you know, managing a um, managing a team of police officers is no different to logis- managing logistics. It's no different to sales. It's no different. They're just moving parts with some risks and some challenges and some, you know, not enough resources and all those things. So actually, sales is the classic one, right? Everyone always says, "Yeah, I couldn't do sales without any sales skills." But you can get somebody who doesn't want to talk to you to give up their liberty without a fight. Right. Yeah. Um, if that's not a sales conversation, you know, I don't know what is. And especially over here, you know, where we all we've got is, you know, asking nicely because we haven't got, uh, you know, <laughs> we haven't got the firearms and stuff most of the time. So, you know, <laughs> but you do, right? You know, you, every single police officer who gets past day one of the academy has got incredible communication skills. And yeah. I've never been in a, in a business environment where that wasn't the number one key to yeah. success. I I agree with you a hundred percent on that analogy too. So I'll gi- I'll give a, a a bit of a shout out here on the show to Pat Welsh because Pat Welsh is a member of the Eliota CEO community and and he asked during one of our community meetups uh, he he actually mentioned that sales was something that he felt like he was struggling with. Sorry. Um, Pat to, to call you out here on the air, but um, <laughs> he mentioned that to me and I told him the same thing. I said, well, Pat, or, or did you feel like you could, you know, were you able to talk people into uh, putting on handcuffs? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's a sales conversation. Yeah. And there was kind of like this light bulb moment that went off and he said, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. So I, I agree a hundred percent with that analogy. If you can real quick, cause we're running short on time here. I, I would like to know what would you say is the single biggest challenge that you faced in your own transition out of law enforcement? Not knowing what I was actually capable of. And, and settling for less because people had told me so much on the way out that no one else would want me and I couldn't do anything else beyond, I don't know, drive a truck or be a security guard. So I think, yeah, having someone to believe in you or having the belief in yourself is, is the key. Excellent. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to uh, share before we close out? I think just to say that, you know, you said at the top of the, at the top of the episode that this is happening across the globe. But what's also happening across the globe is people are finding incredible new ventures, whether it's, you know, another career, whether it's their own business, something in between. So there's nothing out there to stop anyone who listens to this going and finding the right thing for them too. If the right thing for them is to stay in the police and become the best police chief their region's ever seen, do that, please, because we want good yes. people to be in law enforcement yes. too. But yes. if, if the right thing for you is somewhere outside that, whatever it looks like, just go for it um, and, you know, reach out to Adam, to me, to anyone else that's, you know, in this whole network of us who've been through it. Learn, get feedback, keep pushing forward, and it can be done. And it's not being done by anyone who's got some magic potion that you haven't. 
it's just being done by people who don't give up and find a way to you know uh, harness their skills and and sell them basically so if that isn't kind of a a cheesy enough 30 second roundup for you adam i don't don't know what is but but it's true and i believe that you know and and i'll happily stand in front of a room of hundreds of kind of you know uh, grizzled cops and say that whether they laugh at me or not so um yeah it can be done it's being done all the time and it can be done by by you too yeah i think that was an excellent way to sum it up and thank you for clarifying too that we're not trying to encourage everybody to leave law enforcement right like no. we need to have good cops and so by all means man you know we we want to keep good cops on the job but you know uh what we want to do is if there are people out there that that um, feel like it's not the right fit for them anymore, and they're just holding on because they they think that they're they're waiting for uh, that pension or, or whatever other thing it may be, and we want to encourage people to know that there there are other options, and, and we want to be able to help with that. So thanks for for mentioning that, Tom. Why don't you go ahead and do you have anything you want to plug? Um, can you let everybody know where to find you and how to connect? Um, just send us out with with that if you would. Yeah, of course. Um, so where people can find me is all the usual social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can just Google Tom Wheelhouse or Mitify. Both of us are fairly rare, so you'll you'll find me. Um, all the stuff we do is on our website. If you're a police department and you think you could be doing more to support your officers, we can help you with that. If you're an individual cop who thinks there's more out there for you, we can help you with that online, in person, we care, we get it. I've been there myself. My whole team's been there themselves and we've done it for lots of people like you. So please reach out. I always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Lots of people have got close, but no one's managed it yet. Um, so any question you've got, anything you really want to know about the transition, um, my inbox is open and please reach out. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Tom. It was a great interview. You dropped lots of really good information here. So thanks again. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for sticking around till the end of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review at psi.chat forward slash review. I would love to hear your feedback and it will also help other public safety innovators like yourself find the show. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode. Just go to psi.chat, click on episodes and search this episode number and you'll find all the links, descriptions and resources we talked about. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you'll be notified when the next episode is live. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you guys on the next episode.